The subject for the evening talk is <clears throat> where do I want to go? I think quite often our reading of newspapers and magazines in a rather direct way can shed quite a lot of, lot of light upon the patterns and trends of the world, our world which we live in, and the kind of direction in which it moves. And sometimes the popular magazines, whether they are specializing or news magazines, tell the stories, long or brief as they may be, of particular individuals who are regarded as, uh, um, peculiarly really, as models of success. And just recently I was in the railway station at uh, Bonn the, uh, in West Germany and in the, new, in the uh, magazine shop there were rows of magazines and I did a rough count of the number of magazines which were available in this particular um, newsagent magazine shop on the railway station and there were over 1100 on every imaginable topic and theme and sometimes when we look we see too that there is a very compelling need socially induced a kind of mutual conspiracy of striving to get on, striving to get somewhere. Very little genuine joy and delight and wonder in life because that's been overshadowed by this compulsive need to be regarded in one's particular field as a success as a somebody. And one of the areas which I just, <clears throat> if I may, just like to make a, a comment on because I think it is symptomatic of, uh, of illness. And that is in the field of uh, sport where there is this tenacious appetite to improve on what has gone by, to be better than anybody and anything else. And if ever one has had a little Buddhist detachment, shall we say, for a few minutes and observed the game of tennis, one wonders what on earth has happened to the human species where two people, or sometimes four, are knocking over this fence a ball 
in a restricted area for huge sums of money in order to provide huge audiences with a movement of their head goes left, right, left, right, oh, left, right, ah, 30, love, left, right. And this goes on with incredible intensity, drama, tears, joy, and huge profits. For this sensation called ooh, ah, ooh, ah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the consequences of all of this for the sports people is huge, I think, repercussions from these success models all the way down and right down, if I may say, right down to our children who then get pressed, steamrolled into such schools because there's some view which takes place. That's the success. That's where we, I, ought to be going and not to get there is to be regarded, to be regarding ourselves as failure. And I think every time, not just occasionally, not just in a moment of reflection, but I think that every time you and I look at the television, listen to the radio, read a, magaz read a magazine like this awful People magazine, which I was reading on the aeroplane yesterday, if there had been a window open in that place, I would have thrown it out. <laughs> and any of these other uh, magazines, and ask oneself very, very seriously, do I want to end up like that? <laughs> Spending one's life throwing a ball up in the air and hitting it with a racket? So I think there's some very, because these are models of success, because they impress on us in various ways, I think we could look at all of that and we can say to ourselves, I hope, that's the direction I don't want to be going in. I don't want to end up like that. And I don't want my friends or my children to end up like that. Now, so I say, because I think it somehow we've elevated people into megastar status, that we in our stepping back from all, all of that and looking at where we are going, where our life is going, then we have to look at the totality of our daily life. What's the quality? What's the, the actuality in real terms? of our day-to-day -day situation. And I think one aspect of that looking at all of that is to ask ourselves, how much am I driven? Never mind the rhetoric of choice, which is one of the great social mythologies that we live under. How much am I actually driven?
And what is happening to me that I feel compelled to go for this, that and the other and I can barely find anything in my, inside of myself which says, let me put the brake on. Let me just slow down a little bit. Let me really take a fresh look and see where am I going. It's rather a pleasant story which in a way communicates something. There's a person in the field doing a little bit of uh, gardening, farming. And a motorist came driving, some are prone to do, furiously along the road. And the motorist stopped and turned to the, the gardener. And very ed- and the very agitated motorist said, what's the name of that place, that, um, that town down the road there, some miles down the road there, which I've just come from? And the gardener looked and said, oh, well, I don't know, I don't know. And yeah, the motorist still agitated and is mobilized to get somewhere. So what's the name of that next place, that next town which is there, which I've got to get to? What's the name of that place? And uh, the gardener said, actually, I'm, actually, I don't know. So the mo- motorist said, you don't know the name of the place down the road where I've just come from. You don't know the next place, the next town up the road. Uh, and the gardener said, that's right, but I'm not lost. <laughs> and I think sometimes in our life, and this compulsive need to do, to be, to succeed, to, to achieve. And the kind of almost disguise of human existence. We think we know what we're doing. We think we know where we're going. Virtually, we're lost. We're lost in the pressure cooker of the situation. We're lost in our desires, we're lost in our driving, we're lost in our addictions and in our compulsions, in our, in our dissatisfaction. We're lost human beings because we're driven. And I think we see the immense consequences of this all, everywhere, everywhere. The terrible toll of human beings being driven. So then, we start to to question this, and we start to wonder about it. We start perhaps to wonder whether there's any 
genuinely radical alternative, any other way of being which one does knows that one is not driven. And I think we have to seek out, very importantly, seek out people who are questioning the compulsive status quos of our culture. And equally, I think we do really have to stop and look. But then we start exploring what is called spirituality, which is, I believe, some freshness, some alternative in our way of living and being in the world. And then something, something begins to occur. And it's as though, I think, we begin to transfer the compelling need to succeed and have the sense of really going somewhere. And we transfer it from our consumer interests, our roles, our careers, our whatever it might be, and it's, as it were, to some degree is supplanted. The effort, the striving, the competitiveness, and those needs then get put into spiritual life. And so it's, sometimes it's as though we've transferred one state of mind and we've replanted it into this called being here, called meditating. And we're still being compelled. We're still wanting the intensity of sensation because that makes us feel to be somebody. And we're still easily pushing ourselves hard because that's all we know. That's what we've been told. That's what everybody says, a, a real life is an intense life, it's a pushing life, it's a driven life, and we see this morning, noon and night, and thus we find and look for it here. So if somebody is sitting in here morning, noon and night, which some might wish to do, we can be very easily impressed by that. And say, oh, that's what it's all about sitting cross-legged through successive nightmares. <laughs> Surely we're trying to leave them behind. And this pushing then gets reinforced, very important this, it then gets reinforced with us through the beliefs through the ideology. And so those of you who are familiar with the uh, tradition, uh, the Buddhist tradition, will have heard, fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not sure, but one will have heard of the Eightfold Path. And one will have gone through those various links which make up the Eightfold Path. For those of you who have uh, escaped this, I'll repeat it. <laughs> it's right understanding, right attitude. Right means skillful, here useful, beneficial. Right understanding, right attitude, right speech, right livelihood, right action, right effort, 
right mindfulness, right meditation. And one of them is right effort. And in looking at where we're going with our life and the direction that our life takes, certainly it requires from us, at times, the actual application of effort. And effort is a necessary and valuable human response to situations. So if I want to look at myself as a human being and start asking myself some fairly basic questions in life, one of them is going to be, what's worth making an effort for? What actually is worth making an effort about? And all the kind of efforts that I am making as a human being, the kind of efforts which truly have some real worth and value. Getting back to the metaphor of the tennis racket and the tennis ball, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the consequences for the person on the other side of the racket. So now looking at effort and the application of effort, my observation of that will be I won't look at it if I want to be a conscious human being from the standpoint of myself exclusively. Understand? I'm not just going to think about effort for me. I'm going to think about effort for me and for the one who's on the other side of the tennis court. And if I am not thinking about the one who is on the other side of the tennis court in the efforts that I make, then I can't think my effort has spiritual awareness to it. In the old texts, the Buddha has been speaking of effort and the application of effort has referred to skillful effort, right effort. In four areas, the effort to develop, the effort to maintain, the effort to overcome, and the effort to avoid. Develop, maintain, overcome, and avoid. So if we're looking at ourselves and asking ourselves where am I going with my life, what direction is it moving in, then I'll bring into focus those efforts. I'll see what application they're actually having in my, my existence. And I'll be very aware of what I see as skillful effort and useful and validating effort for oneself and others. And I'll be acutely aware of useless effort in useless 
exercises in useless adventurism, which is harmful for oneself and others. And I think that you and I, we have some opportunity here for some reflection. What is skillful effort, useful effort, and what we can effortlessly abandon and give up because we see the pointlessness of it. In the situation here, because here we are and this is our life, that I think effort is a great friend to us and it can be a great support. But it also can be a terrible distraction. As a friend and support to us, I think effort is a useful and valuable response to particular body and mind states. So if in the course of today, first full day that we are here together, there probably have been occasions during the day for yourself and myself where some effort has been necessary. Sometimes the effort has just been to get into this room here, which is a considerable achievement. And sometimes the effort has been to get up first thing in the morning, Sometimes the effort has been to avoid uh, overeating. Sometimes the effort has been to um, help maintain meditation or to overcome the wandering mind or whatever it might be. So, in other words, there's a situation where effort is being applied as a thoughtful and intelligent response to a situation and thus at times in this situation application of effort is vital and, and necessary feature of our being here. What kind of effort have we put in today? What kind of situation have you and I noticed where the application of it has been quite necessary? But I think, and one of my concerns is, if you look at your life and ask yourself very honestly, is there too much efforting going on in my life? If I just look in a very general and um, overall view, of my day-to-day -day existence. Is there too much efforting going on? From the moment that I wake up in the morning to going through my uh, breakfast, tea, coffee, work, study, relationship, home, cycle, do I think of my life as being a continual state of efforting to do things in order to get them complete. 
in order to get things done. If I do, I think we have a problem. All of us. And if one is transferring that problem into here as, oh, being on a retreat is making an effort through the continuity of the day till I finally drop into slumberland at night, then we've carried the problem here. Somebody said today in a small group, I noticed the flowers today, I noticed how green the leaves were, I noticed the trees and the grass. I would say that comes through when we are not making an effort. So therefore, in effort, in which is a useful and appropriate, it applies as a skillful response to certain states of mind and body. And to recognize and to be clear, to have the self-knowledge when the effort is useful. And to know when there's no effort going on. Because I think the in general terms, this effort that we are making in our life and all the cleverness that goes along with it, all the knowledge and the competitiveness which, go, which accompanies the efforts we are making is destroying the life. And we have a very serious problem with striving and efforting in this world. The problems of our world are not distinguishable from unskillful efforts. And not surprisingly, I would say, with the, the Buddha's teaching, what is noticeable about the teaching is how infrequently he refers to effort. How even the very concept which he uses of effort can be translated not as effort, it can be translated as decision. Making skillful decisions in one's life. So I, want, I would like us in our time and in our days that we are here together to be aware of the value of effort, to be aware of the insidious factors about effort and how it can rather blindly and ignorantly for us feeding to compulsions and being driven to really to look into all of that, to really appreciate wholeheartedly and acknowledge those times when we're just not making any effort at all. And we can feel that kind of quality of feeling, that quality of quietitude, of, of that uh, mellow sensation. 
in which we're just not striving to be anything, be anybody. We're not racing from anywhere. We're not racing to anywhere. We just have a, a different kind of feeling and sense. We don't feel worthless and useless and purposeless and whatever. We don't have any of that feeling about it. We just know quality of effortlessness in which the grass and the sky and the earth and the presence of people and the subtle and beautiful things of life have an opportunity to touch us because we're not blinded by effort. And I think one of the things, if I may say, with effort as a blinding factor, is that there's a peculiar thing which goes on inside of us around the area of self-importance. And self-importance wishing to give us a sense of self-worth. And we think we believe, as part of our belief, as part of our ideology, that in some way or other, my sense of self-worth will come through my effort to get what I want for myself. And then I think I'll feel worthwhile and full and um, complete as a human being through my effort to succeed in getting what I want. Where is the evidence for this? Who is an example of this? John McEnroe? <laughs> so, if I can see the application of effort, I can see its function and usefulness. I can see its arising and passing in time as a skillful response to it. But I'm not saying to myself, and I'm refusing to say to myself, that all this efforting won't give me the sense of being a full human being. It won't provide that. Because when I with all my effort, and I succeed in getting what I want, I get the job, I get the qualifications, I get the relationship, I get the money, I get whatever it's I want to get. How long will that remain fulfilling? How long will the, I get what I want, I get that depth of insight, I get that spiritual experience, I get that state of non-existence, whatever I'm peculiarly looking for. How long, after all of that effort and striving, how long would that give me a sense of arriving and completion? In spite of years and years and years and years of efforting. Efforting is useful, but... Let's not give it license 
let's not think it's some kind of solution to human existence. Let's not be deceived by the sensation of coming in time from one place to another place and moving on to another place, thinking that movement in time with the thread of effort is the way to the answer. There's no evidence for it on this earth. And if you forget, please, please, take out a subscription to People magazine. <laughs> May all beings see into themselves. May all beings see into the nature of effort. May all beings live with wonder.